the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. So glad to, to see you all. Good crowd, especially for a uh, women's retreat Sunday. To go For you guys who came here without your wives, good job. All gathered here to pray against the Patriots. That is, that is great. Um, we, are, uh, we are in our second week uh, of a three-week sermon series uh, looking at our vision. Uh, our vision as a church is, this is something that was distilled uh, through many, many prayers, uh, many conversations among, among the staff and the vestry and uh, lots and lots of people within the congregation. Uh, and this is what we discern to be our primary focus uh, and our aim. And it's really just our take on what churches uh, really just normally do. Now, it's, it's on the back of your bulletin, and you can take a look at it. But I wonder if you have heard it enough, you can say it without looking at it. Let's say it together. Church of Our Savior exists to help people, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'll probably do a series like this about annually or so, but we are focusing in this time, this series, on uh, that phrase, relationship with Christ, a relationship with Christ, because for some it might sound a little touchy-feely, uh, maybe a little confusing. I mean, how do we have a relationship with someone uh, that we can't see or touch, or uh, who's not on Facebook or Instagram? How, how do we have a relationship uh, with someone like that? Well, last week we asked uh, exactly what is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I hope you heard in that, if you were here, that uh, you heard that God's character is inherently relational. And he is a God who uh, relates to us. He speaks to us. He listens to us. He, uh, he loves us. And that God is one who sees past our shiny facades that we put up and that he, he sees right to the muck that's, that's really there. And yet he loves us and accepts us fully uh, anyway because of his own cross and resurrection. Uh, there is in this uh, a deep and strong and life-giving knowing with Jesus Christ. That is, that is the relationship between God and the Christian believer. And it's good news. Because it tells us that the heart of Christian faith is not inherently moral. Which is to say it's not principally about what we do. I mean, it certainly informs what we do as a a result, as a fruit. And we'll talk about that some next week. But the heart of Christian faith is grace. Uh, The heart of Christian faith is God's one-way love uh, to you and to me. It is unearned. It is fully knowing. It is freely given. So that is the heart. But this week we're going to ask how. How do we have a relationship with Christ? Next week we'll ask, uh, what does a relationship with Christ produce? This week we're asking how. How do we have that relationship? How do we live into that relationship? There's a man who was, uh, went in for his annual checkup with his doctor. They were just making small talk. And the doctor asked him what he had done the day before. And the guy said, well, uh, actually, yesterday I waded across a lake. I barely avoided a rattlesnake. I bushwhacked up and down a mountain, and I uh, crawled out of quicksand, and I just ran away from a mountain lion. And the guy said, the doctor said, my goodness, you must be some kind of outdoorsman. And the guy sort of slumped his shoulders and said, no, I'm just a really bad golfer. 
So, um, <laughs> kind of cheesy, but um, the, uh, you know, you can have a whole dis different experience if you don't know how to do something, right? So we're talking, we're asking that question. How do we live into this personal and intimate relationship with Jesus? So we have this very famous passage that Father Trent read uh, from John chapter 15. Jesus uses this tangible, earthy word picture when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So we want to say a few words about this famous metaphor and then use that to frame just a few thoughts on what we call our membership map. And we'll talk about that a little bit um, as we ask, how do we live into this relationship with Jesus? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Now all the disciples would have known immediately, you probably know too, that Jesus is using the image of a grapevine. It's an image that would have been very, very familiar to them. They would have known what it smelled like to walk through a vineyard, what it felt like uh, to stand under the, uh, this, the earthy cool of the canopy of grape leaves on the vine, what, it, what the grapes felt like in their hands as they picked them for lunch or they picked them to make wine. Um, you know, if he lived here, now Jesus might have uh, talked about orange trees. Uh, he was just using a very familiar, something very familiar to them. But Jesus is telling them, this is the night before Jesus died, and he is telling them that to have a relationship with him, he's drawing their attention to the organic connection uh, between a branch and a vine. Now, it would have been just as obvious to them as it is to us that a branch by itself can generate no life right? Apart from the source of life, life from which it has grown. A, a branch cannot live without the vine. A branch cannot produce any fruit without the vine. Uh, when a branch is separated from the vine, it, for, a, for a minute it looks the same. It doesn't look like anything's wrong with the branch, but over time, even if you stick it in some water, uh, over time it's going to wither and eventually die. Jesus says, apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. And he's saying, but he's saying to his disciples, and he's saying to us, from all his divine nature, from all his authority as the Son of God, I am your source of life. I am your source for true, spiritual, eternal life. Now, you still live in the world. It doesn't mean your leaves won't get blown off in a storm sometimes. You know, it doesn't mean that your grapes won't fall to the ground or that, uh, that you won't get pruned occasionally. That's no fun. But stay connected to me, Jesus is saying, and, and you will have life. So this is not a warning for connected branches. Do not get unconnected or else. Because in the Christian gospel, there is no or else. It wouldn't be grace if there was, right? But this is an invitation to all of us who understand what it feels like to be disconnected. To all of us disconnected branches that... Uh, feel withered, feel spiritually parched, sometimes wondering why our fruit seems puny or sour. An invitation, come to Jesus, get connected to Christ, get true life. Or else. <laughs> so, St. Paul, I think, uses this same sort of metaphor in Romans uh, chapter 11 when he talks about God's grace um, receiving us as wild shoots. He's talking about uh, olive trees, but 
we're wild shoots grafted in to the nourishing root. And uh, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. He's saying, be connected, right? Have life. And the word he uses for maintaining this life is abide. Abide. Remain in me. Linger. Hang around. Rest in. Hold on continually. Stay connected. Abide in Christ. So how do we do that? Well, I think our membership map has a, um, provides a good start. And we're just going to go through three of these. We'll talk about the other two next week. But it starts at the top with broken people praise. And, and, um, and this is it's at the top because this is where we, most of us get connected back to the vine through our worship. Uh, through our worship. Now, you can get connected anywhere along here, but most people find us first on a Sunday morning. And our worship is balanced, and our tradition balanced, word and sacrament. Uh, we hear the word read. We hear it, hopefully, explained. Uh, we then respond to the word with the creed and, the pr- and our prayer and confession and offering. And then we, uh, most every Sunday, we receive the spiritual body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, the word and sacrament. And one of the things that is just really special about the way that, that our uh, Episcopal, our Anglican heritage uh, does worship is that it's interactive. Right? I mean, you, we, we're, people call it you know, church calisthenics. We're standing, we're kneeling, we're sitting, we're always uh, moving. Uh, it's, there's call and response. It wouldn't work with just us up here. We've got to have interaction uh, with, uh, with the congregation. But now the thing that can be challenging about the way we do things is, is that it can get rote. It can, it can kind of get um, routine. We say the same words over and over each uh, week. And I, I think I've told you before, I've, I've caught myself going, do we say the Lord's Prayer? I don't even, like, I, I must have said it out loud, and, uh, but I just, I, I didn't, I was thinking about something else. It can, get, it can get rote. We can go through the motions without thinking about it. And so the challenge is to pray the prayers, not just say the prayers, right? That's important, to remain vertically oriented, connected to the vine, uh, rather than just sort of coming and checking off the box. So worship is not optional for the life of the Christian. Right? And so, so I want to encourage you this year, if you, if you find that you're here about twice a month, then, then I would encourage you to just try to make it three times a month. If you come once, make it twice. If you already come four times a month, you probably need a vacation. But, um, <laughs> but come back next week uh, with a, with, then with a friend. So... Um, so that's important. Worship, broken people praise. Now the next stop on the map, uh, people holding hands, a little family here, grateful people gather. Uh, this doesn't, of course, mean you stop coming to worship, but we, we add to it. We're so grateful for what we've received in our worship. We want to get to know the people who are worshiping alongside us, and so we want to build friendships. We, you shouldn't have only friendships with Christians, and we'll talk again about that next week a little bit, but, um, but as a means of abiding in Christ, we should have intentionally uh, Christian friendships. And I don't just mean friends, friendships with other, other Christians, but friendships which are Christian in their nature. Uh, when I lived in, um, after college, I went out and lived in Colorado for a season. I lived with a bunch of guys, and, and um, those guys cuss like sailors. Uh, I don't mind telling you. 
So what do you think happened to me? Right? I, I, not that I need a lot of help with it, but I picked it up. And um, <laughs> I'm much better now. Um, but, uh, but I taught like that because we kind of pick up those things that are, that, that are around us. So we, it, but it works the other way, too. And so when we surround ourselves with those who love the Lord and, and we are with them regularly, fellowship within the body of Christ, it helps us to know Christ. We pick up their good habits, too. One of the things about a healthy vine is it has a lot of branches, right? Lots of, they're all crowded in on each other. And so you don't need to wait for us to start a program. You can, you know, ask somebody, another couple to dinner, ask somebody to dinner. It doesn't have to be a couple. Start a supper club with some folks in the church. Or we're having uh, Wednesday night suppers during Lent. Come and get to know folks. Come to our uh, breakfast between the services. Um, come to sip and sample for the ladies or grill and chill for the guys. Start a conversation with someone you don't uh, know already. Uh, some of you know a woman named Anna Dooley, who's a member of our church. She's off on the women's retreat this weekend. And she just rolled off our vestry. And last year, sometimes she noticed uh, a woman that she, and she had seen a few weeks, but she didn't know her. She noticed that she was kind of off to herself. And so she just took it upon herself to introduce herself, strike up a conversation. And then, uh, and then after that, they decided they'd go get coffee. And then they went to lunch after church, and then they did it again and again. And, and soon they've realized they're friends. And it's wonderful. They come from different backgrounds, and, but they had, really, they had this place in common. And now this woman who is really new to the church, she, um, she felt more connected because she had a friend. And Anna, who knows a lot of people, has been here for a long time, uh, she's more connected, and she's gained a friend. So that's easy to do. Christian friendships are an important and wonderful part of abiding with Christ. So uh, next week, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, what this produces, and we'll talk about love, people, care, and Christian people go. But this week, we want to stop and finish up with healthy people grow, as we're asking, how do we live into this relationship with Christ? So healthy people grow. So as we worship, as we get to know folks, we want to study God's Word. We want to grow in our prayer life. So Bible study and prayer, privately and in groups. You can think about, until the advent of social media, it was crazy to think about having a relationship with someone without spending time with them, or talking to them, listening to them, learning what they're like. But now we have friends that aren't really our friends. Lots of them, hundreds of them. We want to check our heart when we're thinking about our friendship, our relationship with Christ, and make sure we understand that's, that sort of social media relationship is not the kind of friendship we're talking about. The Bible is not a rant one of those that you can scroll past uh, and look, look at what's next. But um, our relationship with Christ is unique among all relationships in many ways. But it's like other relationships in that it grows by spending time together. So the Bible is the record of how God has saved his creation, of course, of which you and I are a, a part. And the Bible is God's word to you. It's his word of how he loves you and how we are to respond to that love. And, and you know, I, I freely admit, when you're looking at, you, if you haven't been reading the Bible and you look at that thing, you probably think of the Bible that you sat on as a kid so you could reach, the, reach your peas. You know, it's just sometimes thinking about the Bible, it's just huge. I mean, they make, them, they make them small, too, but, you know, it's, um, it, it, you don't know where to start, and it can seem sort of scary. So I always recommend that 
Don't start on page one in Genesis. Flip over to the New Testament. Read the Gospels. You get to know Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them slowly. Um, and, and so just get, get to know, grasp what's understand, understand what's being said. Um, get to know Jesus. And I told some guys this week that don't start by looking at Jesus and think that's what I ought to be like. I mean, there's a sense in which that's true. But look at the people that Jesus interacts with and see how Jesus treats them. How Find yourself in them and see and understand and learn how Jesus treats you. Pray before you read. Ask the Spirit uh, to give you guidance. And you will be amazed before long how relevant the stories in the Gospels uh, are, are to the current events in your own life. I think it's a really good idea to have a small group of friends that you are studying the Bible with because otherwise you're going to miss a lot of insight that they could, that, um, that you would not get otherwise. So in a group Bible study, there's, the whole is always much greater than the sum of its parts. And we have, at our church, a growing number of these community groups, Bible studies, and if none of them seems right for your schedule or for your location, we can help you start one. We'd love to do that uh, for you. When we pray, the Bible should inform our prayers. If you pray, but you don't read the Bible, you're going to soon find that you're praying to a God who never disagrees with you. (laughs) And that's not always healthy. So, healthy people grow. Growing in prayer, growing in our Bible study, uh, healthy Christians abiding in their relationship with Christ by feasting on his word. And then in prayer, telling him, thank you. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. What a grace that we have a God who has invited us, naturally broken branches that we are, to such a life-giving and organic connection, branch to vine. What a grace that he's built his church so that we may worship and fellowship and learn, and that in doing so, that we may live into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen?